What a beautiful day to be alive. Welcome to the You Can Do It Too podcast. Yes, you can do it too. My primary mission in this podcast is to empower minority youths and young professionals around the globe to imagine beyond any limits and strive to be their best self. Who am I? I am many things. I am a son, a brother, a husband, a friend. I'm an engineer. I'm a medical student at the University of Texas at Austin Dell Medical School, Hooken. Well, if you ask me to be specific, I'm a problem solver. I'm a critical thinker. I would love to see you reach your full potential. Yes, you. You have what it takes. I'm rooting for you. Man, great day to be alive. Again, thank you so much for taking your time to tune in to another You Can Do It Too podcast. It's been a while and so many things has been happening. Man, it's been four months and my life have changed and I'm you're gonna know what I mean soon. But it's been crazy. I'm so glad to get back to this and be able to to do to, to contribute to contribute to someone's value out there. So for this first episode, this is season two and uh, for this first episode I decided to to talk about who am I. That's not something I've done my first season, but I feel like uh, with the goal and the mission to really do my best work, to really contribute to the benefit of others, to really do everything I can to empower the youth out there, to really put my vision into reality, I feel like it's best if you guys know about me. Uh, full transparency. Because... At the end of the day, my biggest goal is to be rooting for you, right? Is to is to is to be here for you to 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 be a source of motivation, inspiration in any way possible. To be a friend, to be someone that you always know is gonna be here rooting for you. So before any of that, I feel like you need to know me a bit. So in this episode, I will just highlight a few things about myself, and in future episode. I may go a little bit uh, deeper into it, All right? So, as many of you guys know, I'm originally from Guinea, a country in West Africa. The first question that many people ask me, knowing that I'm from Africa, an African country, they ask, are you Nigerian? First of all, full discrepancy, guys. Nigerian is not the only country in West Africa. And I'm not mad, I'm not mad. I know, I know they are here, especially in Texas, they are very popular and all of that. And we are fraternal brothers, if you want to say. Like, our countries are very close to each other. And uh, to be honest, I would love for us to have that unity, that brotherhood, right? But at the end of the day, the reality is Nigeria is one country and there are many other countries out there. One of them is Guinea. I would love to say it's one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Uh, it has an amazing environment. I grew up there with a very large family. And what I mean by large family is there were always at least 30 people in the house. So imagine when I, when I, when I moved here in the U.S., uh, being alone uh, by myself, that, that wasn't... A, I felt a I felt lot of uh, homesickness and stuff like that, but I'll talk more about that. So I'm, I originally came from Guinea, West Africa, and uh, around the age of 13, 
uh, 13, my parents decided that it would be best for me to leave the country and move to the U.S. Uh, as, as you may guess, for a better education. I think uh, Guinea gave me a, a solid elementary foundational education. One thing that is also true is the fact that they do not have a good uh, universal and college education. And of course, because of the fact that the leadership is lacking and there's no uh, good infrastructures, there's no good opportunities for young people there. And because of that, like many other countries, uh, people get away and uh, come to a country like United States to get a better education. So that was that was the my mission. My mission when I left Guinea, uh, it was to get a better education. For me, unlike many people, I did not come with my parents. I was sent here uh, to live with my uncle. I remember that specific days. Uh, when I was leaving home and uh, knowing, not, not knowing exactly when is the next time that I will see uh, my family, uh, I can't still imagine it. It was definitely a very big moment of my life and it was hard. I remember turning around and heading toward the inside of the, to, toward the airplane for the first time not wanting to turn around because I didn't want to my, my parents, especially my siblings, to see how scary I was. I didn't want them to see me cry because at the end of the day, I was told that as the big brother, I needed to be strong and I needed uh, to, 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 to show strength in front of my siblings. So even though they were crying, once I turned around, tears started flowing through my eyes. I didn't want to turn around. That's how I got into the airplane for the first time and uh, came to the United States uh, and landed in New York from Guinea straight to Manhattan with all the big, uh, all those, that, that downtown Manhattan is uh, the biggest downtown in the world and it has the tallest buildings. It was intimidating, man. It was, I still remember that second day i mean uh, we came to manhattan and we stayed there for a week uh before moving to our final destination to texas to my uncles we stay after three days i i was always at home and my aunt encouraged me to to go out and play and i remember coming out uh to to play in the a basketball court a, a park basically uh i could not speak english for some reason I was able to communicate, I guess, through Hansen and stuff. I think they asked me if I wanted to play. I said yes, so I joined it. Some kids playing. And uh, I remember the first time I got the ball and shot the ball. Like, my body was facing one way, and I was shooting the other way, and everybody fell laughing. Like, they almost died laughing. They're like, who's this kid? Who's this new kid is on the block? And uh, I definitely remember some people laughing at my, uh, how to call it, my baggy pant. I had some African clothes, uh, which I really love. I but it wasn't. If I knew, I wasn't gonna wear that on my first day out in New York City. So that definitely gave me a good introduction to the world that I was gonna come in, and uh, I knew it was gonna be not a fun ride, right? Uh, I was just coming in. So from there, we were able to get to Texas. Uh, I think we came around March, March two thousand eleven. 
So we, we got to Texas uh, before the end of spring break and uh, they, they put us, they put us, I couldn't speak a word of English, so they put us into uh, ESL, English as a Second Language class. And I was the only person in that class who spoke French, everybody else spoke Spanish. So it wasn't, everything passed, but I remember it wasn't a fun time. And the way I learned English is, I mean, I, I went through that, that those two months uh, from March to the end of that summer. And after that, uh, my uncle helped me get, get a, a library card and uh, I needed to come to that library every day. I started with reading signs uh, around everything that I tried to read it word by word. And after that, I started with uh, moved to small books. And after that, I started reading a little bit bigger books. But it took a while. I remember some days where I came to the library and I didn't want to get in. I didn't want to get in. The only thing that kept pushing me was knowing that it's my desire to want to communicate. Because in Guinea, I had a lot of friends. I was always in groups playing soccer, uh, uh, just having fun and coming to a place where I could not communicate at all, even my own cousins. It was crazy. So uh, I remember the, the, the first week in Texas, I, that night, I mean, I was, I was basically as a 12, 13 year old, I'm not going to lie. There were some many crying nights and uh, I remember a specific night uh, I could not sleep. I, I got up, looked out the window. It was dark out there. It was about 10, 11, 12 a.m. And uh, I started crying. I was just missing my family, my, fri my, my friends, uh, my, my siblings. But something dawned upon me. I, I realized that the opportunity that I had was an opportunity that so many people where I came from would, would want to have. And me just giving up because it's hard. It's an insult to them, right? I remember that day I decided to say that uh, I have two options. Either I can whine, cry, and tell my uncle to take me back to Guinea, or I can buckle up and uh, decide that I get to start my own life at the age of 12 and really start focusing on building my own legacy, right? No, even though my family was about five to 10,000 miles away, that shouldn't stop me. Uh, that I, I should I should buckle up, tighten my my belt, and really start pushing toward any obstacles that come through my way. So that's the mentality I came in in learning English, and it was hard. But thankfully, that discipline and that perseverance allowed me to meet some people who were willing to help. I remember meeting an amazing teacher, uh, Miss Vitanage, who who told me that I should take power reading. And uh, I remember coming in that class. In that class is people who do not really know how to read uh, that, that come to that class. And uh, within those people is people who are not, uh, who are mentally challenged sometimes. I came in there though uh, with a sense of grace uh, and a sense of a desire to learn. And Miss V, I quickly realized that Miss V was an amazing teacher. And uh, she also realized that with she noticed my perseverance quickly and my willingness to learn and she knew that she, she she could give me she doesn't have she don't just give me the work that everybody else get but she can give me more right 
It's in that class I started learning 140 words a week. I started learning those SAT words. <laughs> it's crazy. I had to memorize 140 words a week. I had to read one book a week and take a test on it. If I don't make a, a 90 on that test, I have to reread re the book. I had to write essays. Uh, I had to rewrite the essays until I make a 90. So whenever I write the essay, she correct them. And uh, until I make a 90 uh, before she... she I move on to the next essay. So she got me really uh, working and uh, in a matter of six months, I, I knew the basic foundation of English. Uh, I was able to to connect with people, uh, talk to people. Uh, I, my, I think two weeks after I got to school, I started school in Beaumont, Texas. Sorry, it was in Beaumont, Texas. And I know your question is, how the heck did I move from Guinea and went to Beaumont, Texas straight and my answer is the fact that my uncle was there he was working there and uh, he took me in but uh, I was in the middle of Beaumont so all the things that you are imagining about Beaumont I only noticed them when we went to play uh, when you when he played sports against other sport schools uh, that's whenever we, we, we go there and we went we have to hurry up and get to the bus and get out of town uh, before something happened but my school was uh, very diverse actually it was about 75% african-american and uh, about 10, 10 to 15% are latino so it, it wasn't too much of a shock but I came in when I started learning when, when I got that basic foundation of English I started uh, integrating uh, in one of our PE class, I decided to play soccer and the coach noticed me. He told me that I needed to be in that team. And uh, I, I, I got in the team and uh, there were, everybody in that team spoke Spanish. So I started catching on Spanish. I started speaking Spanish a bit with, with, with those friends before I even, uh, how to call it, uh, before I even master my English, I was speaking a bit of Spanish. So in a year, uh, my freshman year, I was able, even though I was taking ESL class, I was able to be around, uh, I think in the first 20, uh, in the, I was ranked in the in the 20th, and I knew I had to climb up, right? And uh, one of the things that I always knew is that my uncle uh, loved me to take me in, but at the end of the day, if I wanted to keep going and get a great education, I needed to work hard and get myself there. And my uncle was always transparent about that. I mean, he has he has four kids that he needed to take through college. I mean, he already did everything that he can to to give me that opportunity. My job was to make sure that I I take it and 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 run with it, right, and make something out of it. So uh, I integrated well. I started grinding. Uh, school, big. I mean, one of his rule, one of my uncle's rule was, if I don't get straight A's, I don't play sports. And I loved sports. In Guinea, I played soccer all the time. And uh, when I started playing soccer with the school team, I didn't want to miss any games. So, of course, I made sure that I got all A's, no matter how challenging the course is. And in addition to that, uh, my first year playing soccer, uh, the coach saw the football kicking coach saw me playing and told me to come and kick for him. And uh, I I wanted to try, 
I asked my uncle, he said his only rule is that I skip, I maintain my age. So I went out and tried. Actually, I came in as a freshman and they told me I was going to be uh, the freshman kicking team. I was like, no, I'm going to be diversity. And they laughed at me. And in three months, I grinded so hard and I beat every single uh, of the kickers, uh, of the four kickers that were ahead of me and started the fourth game my freshman year as a varsity kicker. So that definitely gave me a big boost of confidence. And throughout my career as a football player uh, and soccer player and good student, I gathered a group of people that supported me. Even though I did not have my mom and dad in the U.S., my uncle was working uh, most of the time. There were, I felt a big sense of support because my teachers saw my drive, so they were always there to help me in Beaumont, Ozen, Texas. And my football team also uh, saw my drive and they, they were there to support me. My, I remember times where my the mothers of my friends brought some food for me. Uh, <laughs> whenever they bring food for my friends, they also bring food for me. And uh, they they come, they cheer for me. Whenever I get on the, on the field, they cheer for me. I specifically remember about my junior year, the first time my mom came to the U.S. to visit and she came to one of our games and everybody was talking. When, when they knew it was my mom, everybody was talking to her about me. It's like, that was definitely a big moment. Even I don't want to know that it was a big moment to just see her welcome and and to get a big sense that I, I, I was welcomed and I had value. Uh, that was definitely a big thing. So I grinded there until uh, junior junior year. I was uh, a, a ranked kicker. I was one of the top ranked kicker uh, in the region. I was the best kicker in my district. Uh, one of the three top ranked kicker in my region, and I was competing nationally. I was the seventy seventy second uh, best kicker in the nation. And uh, I started getting, because of my grades, I started getting some letters from Harvard uh, and MIT. I loved MIT, man, and uh, different schools. And uh, the beginning of my senior year, when we were warming up for a game, I got injured, messed up my meniscus. And uh, even though I pushed through the season, I couldn't. I couldn't even squat on my knee. I had to have surgery, and uh, when some of the school realized about my surgery, they kind of backed up. It was in the beginning. Thankfully, it was in the beginning of the year, and I knew uh, I needed a plan B. Uh, even though football scholarship would have been nice, I, I don't have the luxury of waiting for that. I needed. Uh, thankfully, I had my good grades. But everything that I was counting on kind of left, and I needed to find a plan B. And uh, at the same time, uh, my uncle made sure to tell me that, uh, like, he can only take care of me until high school, so I needed to refigure. So that gave me a big motivation. I remember uh, really grinding, talking to counselors and different people and uh, about different scholarships and... Uh, uh, I was able to gather a list of 32 scholarships. I applied to every single one of them. And the only scholarship that I, that I got of that is scholarship number 17. 
and scholarship number 31 imagine if i stopped at 25 i wouldn't have had uh that scholarship so 17 and 31st and because of that i was able to that that money actually paid for my college education so i'm still thankful that experience right there told me that uh never never set yourself short you always have to put in the work you always have to persevere and if you keep going if the the more you keep knocking at those door the more likely they're gonna open but you cannot stop knocking you cannot despair you have to keep hoping you have to keep knocking all right so how did i choose ut to be the shortest answer is football right even though i got a big uh, scholarship that was paying for my academic education my high school football coach knew uh the the defensive back uh coach at ut longhorn and uh, he he set up he, he set up a, a way for me to come and walk on and uh, i started looking at some hype videos for ut and i was hooked i'm like this is the best school ever this is my home i felt like ut was my home before i got to ut and that big connection i also had a camp there my junior year in high school and it was amazing time i met made some great friends and that experience right there told me that i didn't want to go uh anywhere beside unless if mit had had, had reached out to me because i i also saw an amazing video about a student athlete uh, who were doing engineering work uh and football that was like oh man i want to be able to do that so i wanted to go to mit but the MIT coach gave up on me, man. But at the end of the day, I found a big home uh, at UT. But as soon as I got to UT and started uh, practicing a, a bit, I realized that that's not something that I can do with the team. Like that schedule is crazy. I had to I had to get out of chemical engineering if I wanted to keep playing. And uh, at the end of the day what got me to the united states what was my mission is education and i had to keep remembering that why chemical engineering so when i was little uh one of the only thing that hurted my feelings is when you tell me that i don't have common sense whenever my dad wanted to hurt my feelings he used to say i don't have common sense so I I I kept I started having that desire to really uh have common sense and be able to be a great problem solver. I wanted to be the <laughs> I wanted to be a person who have the, all the common sense in the world, right? And when I was researching, I was researching like what major help you have critical thinking and problem solving. And chemical engineering was that major. Uh, everything was telling me that chemical engineering was the major that teaches you how to critical think, how to problem solve no matter what. And I still believe that there are different majors out there, but I felt like chemical engineering gave you that, that foundational skill, right? Yes, I was interested into medicine, but I didn't, at that time, all I was trying to do was to get something. And to be honest, it was something related to math because my favorite subject being that english was in my first language having to read english to solve problems was hard the only thing that was minimal was in math so math became my favorite subject i had a perfect score in my sat math uh math uh, exam fun fact 
So math and problem solving, critical thinking made me choose chemical engineering. And uh, when I came to UT Austin, I felt home right away. To be honest, I felt home. Yes, uh, UT had the, has the number three chemical engineering program in the nation. Yes, I was the only black student in my class, right? And that was a big shock for me because I grew up in Guinea where everybody looked like me. I came to Ozen. Yes, not everybody was black, but majority of people were black. And I came to UT where only 5% were black out of uh, 50,000 people. I met some black friends, but uh, not many of them were in engineering, right? And uh, so initially, yes, there was imposter syndrome. But one thing that was instilled in me uh, from the beginning, I feel like, is the idea of believing yourself, right? Uh, it's not even self-confidence. It's just uh, that dignity, that dignity of knowing that you are enough, right? And believing that no matter what, what you are is all you need to be whoever you want to be, right? I also learned those important characteristics of perseverance and hard work in high school. So that kept me going. I remember deciding to sit in the front of the class, right? By, by, by day number 10, everybody knew where I sit, right in the front, right in front of the teacher. And the reason for that is I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to care about who was behind me, who was on my right, who was on my left. I knew that I belonged there and my goal was to only have my attention focused to the teacher. Right? Yeah, that's how I dealt with my imposter syndrome. Right? Every time I, I came every time I thought of a caution, I made a voice to myself that I needed to ask it. If the teacher don't want to answer it, that's fine. Yes, there are some times where teachers can even look at you in your eyes when they're answering it, but at the end of the day, I needed to make sure to give my all right, to put myself in the best position, right, and I came in with also uh, the sense, especially at UT, UT is one of the best schools in the nation, in the world, they have resources that motivate you and empowers you to believe that you can do whatever you want, and when I saw those resources, I was like, hell yes, because Knowing where I came from, knowing the amount of smart people that were kids that were smarter than me who will never have the opportunity that I had, I felt like I had to say yes to every opportunity that come my way. I made a vow to myself, I remember a specific night, telling myself that no matter what idea come to my mind, I have to keep moving toward it. I have to say yes to it. My freshman year, many people used to say that I was inspiring, that I inspired them and stuff like that. And uh, I thought about how I got to the. I thought about how I got to the U.S. and how uh, I w I wish there were many people uh, that motivate me that tells me about things. So I decided that maybe I want to be that for other high school students. Maybe I want to talk to other high school students about my experience and potentially motivate them to to be their best self. And I thought about starting an organization. I never spoke in front of a crowd before, but when that my, when that came to my mind, like on a on a at a at midnight, on a long day after I finished studying, I told myself, yes, I have to make that happen. The next day, I walked into my mentor's office um, and told him, hey, I, I want to speak. 
to to people that 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 needs to hear my voice i want to i want to let minority people know that they belong in this school i want to i want to let people who need to know people who need me to know that that they have what it takes to be whoever they want he say yes i got you i love him his name is dr moore and uh, he say yeah you can't even start in my class i can give you some time for you to come speak i'm like oh shoot oh it's real huh I was like, when? He was like, uh, next week, our next class. You can come. I'm like, oh shoot, okay, I got you. I couldn't, I couldn't back down. I went home. I was sweating. I was nervous, but I decided to do it. I told myself that I'm gonna make a story. I had one of my boys, uh, Kyle. Uh, we 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 got very close in that beginning of college. Who who helped me prepare for a speech. And uh, it just went around my story and stuff like that. And I remember standing in front of that crowd on that day and started to speak. My mind sat down. I forgot everything that I was supposed to say. Thankfully, I was able to say thank you for your time, which was supposed to be the ending of my speech. But I decided to keep going. I knew that the hardest step was that first step. So I kept going. And say it is a beautiful day to be alive, and just kept going. And actually, 17 minutes, I was able to do a 17 minute speech, and it was a great speech. It wasn't my best, but I got some applause at the end. And that day, I decided that no matter what, even if no one shows up, whatever I do, even if no one shows up for me, I will come. If it's about speaking, if I show up and no one show up, I will just come and speak. It's gonna be a practice round. That was the mentality I adopted. So it, it, I was grateful to have that experience that I was able to adapt to to UT, and uh, over time I got into chemical engineering was hard. I'm not gonna lie. There were many classes in that beginning where we were like 58 to 60 students, and 30 people had to drop the class because they would have failed, right? And uh, I'm just keeping trying to keep keep up. Uh, with everyone, especially that I want to still keep that dream of going into medical school alive. I was afraid to make to make uh, C's. Right? I was telling myself if I get to C, I have to drop. So it motivated me, and I kept pushing. And uh, thankfully, I did not have to drop any class. But it was tough because I was in chemical engineering, and I was interested in medicine. I didn't know which one would be right, but I wanted to make sure that I had both plan. Is another is that thing that they tell you, your parents tell you. You know, you have to have plan B, plan C. If you ask me now, I would say only have plan A, and do everything you can to to get that plan A. But at that time, I had to have plan A and plan B. So I I I busted my butt in in the classroom. Uh, try to get internships. I got internships for engineering, and at the same time, I was doing shadowing uh, at the clinic and stuff like that. So all of that I was trying to keep myself alive to have a a good uh, a good uh, I mean the the biggest thing is to the I think the biggest reason there was the fact that I still wanted to say yes to every opportunity that I get. There were so many opportunities that were being thrown at me and I felt like it would be an insult to say no to any of them. All right? But as so, there was a time during my junior year that I took the time to sit down and really think about this, right? Uh, I, 
I think it was a speech that I heard from Martin Luther King about legacy. And that got me to ponder, right? Uh, who do I want to be at the end of the day? What's my ultimate goal in life, right? If What is that one thing that will make me satisfied that I, I, I have come uh, in this world, right? And after a series of, of thinking and days, I was able to, to tell myself that my ultimate goal in life is to, to reduce human suffering in this world in any way possible. And I will tell you why uh, in later episode. Uh, it's related to my dad. Just seeing my dad spending all his life to helping people. I think he instilled that in me. And uh, my ultimate goal in life is to reduce human suffering in the world in any way that I can. Right? And I told myself that instead of thinking uh, my journey to do that bottom up, maybe I should think top down. What I mean? Bottom up is saying, okay, I'm in high school. What measure do I need to do to get to the job that I want? Then after you do that, what job do I need to get to get to the career that I want? Then what career do I need to get to get to the legacy that I want? Right? I decided to think, instead of that, let me think top down. What is my ultimate dream? What is, my, what, what is the legacy that I want to leave in this world? What kind of career do I want to have to be able to leave that legacy? What kind of job do I need to have to be able to get to that career? What do I need to do in college to be able to get? What kind of education and skills do I need to have to be able to get to that job? And I feel like if you think it that way, it's going to save you so much time and you're going to be and it's going to be easier to say no to some opportunities that you know for sure will not help with that big vision. So thankfully, I was able to spend some time my junior year and uh, have that conversation with myself. That true conversation is a very hard one, right? And not everybody will have an answer to that. But having a close answer can really help, right? And after that, I decided that I wanted to choose medical school because even though I'm interested in medical school, one of the biggest reasons that motivated me to go through the, all the trouble of medical school is the fact that as a physician, I would be more beneficial in reducing human suffering in this world. As a chemical engineer, yes, I can, but I feel like there would be some limits in terms of how involved I can be in the infrastructure that I want to build to create those legacies that I want to create in this world. So I chose medicine. And I know it was going to be a tough journey. I didn't even know how I was going to get there. But one thing that I promised myself that day was also to focus on my passions. If my goal is to reduce human suffering in this world, I don't have to wait until medical school or becoming a physician to do that. I can do it now. Another thing about me when I came to college is I have... In terms of following, right, I'm not saying I mind following people. I mean, there are some things where you have to follow, right? You, you don't know you have to follow. But in terms of, term of things, I don't, I don't like following things just because everybody is doing it. When I came to college, I did not, I was, I, I, was, I had a hard time joining clubs because I felt like it wasn't something that I was interested in. It was just something that my friends were interested in. 
So, which is one of the reasons that instead of joining clubs, I decided to start Master Motivators uh, and then Mamba Inspire. That speaking thing that I was telling you about, those, those podcasts, I wanted to do the things that I cared about and I didn't have any problem starting them by myself and see where they go. And I wanted to do the same thing. If I really wanted to, to, to reduce human suffering in this world, why not can I do it, right? So I started researching about the things that I'm passionate about, right? What are some issues that are out there that is causing suffering in this world, right? And uh, as I was researching and talking to friends, I realized I I, I talked to, I I found one big issue that I that I didn't know was in my backyard. That was period poverty, right? So I grew up in Guinea, a very conservative country, a religious Islamic, and uh, as a man. I was never involved in a conversation that talked about poverty, period. I did not know what was a period, potentially until my science classes, maybe even in college. Maybe went through it in high school, but I missed it because I didn't even know what they were talking about. So it was crazy. I didn't know about anything about it because especially in Guinea, it's a taboo culture. The women don't feel like it's a guy's business and the guys leave it to, to women. Right? But as I was researching and talking to people, I realized that was a big issue in my country and many countries, underdeveloped countries around the world. Period poverty, right? Uh, and the definition of that is the inaccess to, to mensual product or safe hygienic uh, mensual products for women or anybody that needs it. Uh, in specific regions, right? Many people tend to use alternatives that are not sanitary that leads to lot of health issues, diseases, and even death, right? And uh, if you think about the day-to-day life, there are girls who were never told about that and it happened to them for the first time in class and they have to deal with that and they don't have the right materials to take care of them, right? This leads to some kids having to drop out uh, at certain age because they they have missed so much class and they ha- are behind and if they're not doing well they their parents just deduce that it's not even worth for them to go to school right i mean uh, let's talk about the truth uh, in many cultures around the world they feel like the the, the biggest mission of the woman is to be married where the biggest mission of the guy is to is to marry i guess to but to to go and and fulfill his dream so so many dreams out there are extinguished because uh they do not believe in the power of women and if you go to any class potentially right now uh in many underserved countries around the world the highly ranked student uh from elementary to middle school is the ladies once they get to high school the ladies face all these issues and they cannot uh, stay focused in school. Then you start seeing the guys come up and stuff like that. So I started noticing that. And even 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 worse, I started uh, talking to my siblings uh, who grew up in Guinea with me. And they told me about these issues. They told me about... That broke me. Because I feel like I am... A, I, I am uh, somebody, I'm a protector of my siblings and uh, the fact that they went through this uh, without me knowing, it kind of like, wow, I need to do something about this, right? 
and at the same time uh i had a group of guinean friends about four of us that were here uh at ut and uh, i had already started uh a get together every sunday where we ate dinner and we decided that we wanted to do something for our community and we decided to take on that issue right how what can we do to contribute to the solution of those healthcare issues uh around the world that's how we started women's relief initiative and uh i think i must stop there because there's so i don't want to get into that uh that hole in, in telling you about everything that women's relief initiative is doing right now it's a non-profit organization it's a student chapter organization at ut and uh, we have been uh, doing amazing works uh not just in guinea but in many other countries uh, around the world and uh, right now i'm a board member for the organization but uh the non-profit organization but uh yeah uh, I, i may talk more about that later or if you want to ask me anything about that let me know but i decided that to follow my passions and uh, do the things that i care about and i feel like with that mentality i was able to help build that non-profit organization uh doing exact who's doing and potentially will do for the rest of my life uh that reducing human suffering which is my ultimate goal uh in this world so uh around senior year uh i've done a series of internships with different companies and uh, i I have had projects in these companies that I really love. I'm like, wow, I love the kind of work that I'm doing. But at the end of the day, uh the beauty of a goal will not deter me for the uncer- from the uncertainty of my dreams. Sometimes when you see something that is so beautiful, you want to just focus on that and you forget that there is that bigger thing even though you haven't seen it yet that could be more beautiful <laughs> beautiful that's a new word and uh so yeah uh even though all of that was there i felt like uh, medicine was still that thing and i was going to push it but i do not just have the privilege of just following because i got to where i am because of a group of people specifically my family i would not be here without my family so no matter what i do in this world i have to think about them i have to take them into account i have to consider them right i realize that my parents i mean everybody have helped me to be where i am and uh, i feel i felt like it wasn't just good for me to go into medicine into schooling and uh, not not help out a bit right and uh, thankfully because of the work the internship that i had and the work that i've been doing there were a lot of companies on the line uh, who wanted to give me a shot to work for them and uh, even though it was nerve-wracking to stray away from my dream right because once you figure out that legacy and you think about that journey you just want to get that straight line toward it but one thing that you realize is not a straight line right sometimes it is worth taking that turn because the experiences that you get from that turn may be necessary uh to be successful uh later in that straight line and when you face that mountain the experiences you get from that turn may be necessary to climb over that mountain
So I decided to, 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 to take a pause on my dream of medical school and go work. I decided, I made a plan. I told myself I will work for two years, right? And before the end of school, I took my MCAT. I got the score that I want. And I made sure that wasn't going to be an issue uh, during work. Because I know sometimes when you start studying for those exams and you're not getting the score that you want, it's so easy to say, ah, maybe next year, next year. So I took that out of the way. And uh, I'm so glad that I did. So... Right around coronavirus and all the shutdown, uh, I was actually planning to go to Giddy, but it didn't happen because of coronavirus. Uh, it was going to be a big time because I had just graduated, going to Guinea after graduation before work would have been cool, but I didn't get that opportunity. So I... So yeah, I decided to start working uh, and help my family out a bit. My siblings, two of my siblings had started school in France. They also had the opportunity to go to France uh, to start their college education. But something that is different uh, from the U.S. versus French is if you, if you come in as a student, you cannot work. Uh, you just have to focus on studying. And if you are in private school, you have to pay for it. You cannot just, uh, you have to find, your family have to take charge of you. And you have to pay, there's no such thing as scholarships. So I, thankfully, I had the opportunity, the blessing to take that charge for them and help uh, my siblings get through, get through college. I came in uh, at ExxonMobil as a young uh, optimization engineer with the mentality that I will do everything that I can to to take as much uh, experience as possible right and actually knowing 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 about my vision I was able to pinpoint some of those uh, skills that I want to gather like coding optimization right and when you're trying to solve uh, suffering and and issues around the world especially in underserved communities, there's going to be a lot of constraints. There's going to be a lot of limits. I think having a background in optimization is necessary to be able to come up with that uh, best solution for that scenario because not every ideal solution is the best solution, right? Sometimes the ideal solution will not work for a specific scenario because of the constraints in that scenario. So... I think it was very fitting for me to come in as an optimizational engineer. And being uh, that ExxonMobil is the big company that it is, even though it was during uh, economic downturn, COVID-19, and there were so many things, I had the opportunity to work on large-scale projects, large-scale projects that helped me get some skills that I would not have if I hadn't made that step, right? Yes, in the beginning, I was very nervous about straying away from my dream, but I became so glad to to be able to to get to 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 get those skills because I met so many mentors at Exxon who taught me how to how to think better. Right? Yes, I got critical thinking from chemical engineering, but I was also used to just doing the minimum to get that grade. But I had some mentors who wanted to teach me, wanted to give me an education, not just knowledge. Right? There's a difference between education and knowledge. 
Knowledge is something that you can acquire, but if you don't know how to use it, it's nothing. But when you learn how to use your knowledge, that's education. And uh, so those mantras allow me to think, right? To, to, to push myself to ask that question, why? Why? There are some things that is not necessary for you to know to answer that question that you have. But why won't you push to answer that? Isn't it a question for you? Are you just learning to satisfy the, the curiosity of someone else? Or are you learning to satisfy your curiosity? So I had this amazing mentor who, who, who always tested me during meetings and stuff. And because of that, it pushed me to really keep asking myself why. And you understand, you understand things for my own sake. So that was amazing. So long, long story short, uh, it was an amazing uh, decision to, to take a break and go do that. And uh, at the same time, I kept pushing toward my vision. Yes, I, was, I had a full-time engineering job. Yes, I was starting to prepare for medical school applications, interviews. But I told myself, if helping people, if reducing human suffering in this world is what I want to do, there's no way in hell that I will take a break doing it. Right? It's around the same time that I started volunteering at the hospice uh, on the weekend, uh, anytime that I get, and also built Unity Hills. So for a long time, uh, I mean, I grew up watching my dad, as I said earlier, spending most of his time uh, to help people as a physician. He divided our house into two uh, at one point, I mean, because he could not afford a clinic and uh, to help the people in our community because those people usually are not taking into hospitals because they cannot afford it so he decided to do that and uh, and get some and, and get some donations in terms of medical uh, equipment and use those medical equipment to help as many uh, people as possible at home and i saw him do that and i've always wanted to to help uh, to, to, to work in healthcare and help figure out a way to improve uh, the healthcare in, in the country, Guinea. Uh, it's definitely one of the worst healthcare system in the world. Uh, I'm not going to get into everything that I know about that something for another episode, but I knew it needed work. And uh, just seeing, just remembering all the relatives that, uh, was, w that needed help uh, growing up and all of that, I wanted to be involved with that. Yes, I, Women's Relief Initiative was full undergoing, but I feel like I needed, an, I wanted to build another organization that would attack directly the healthcare system and help improve, uh, relieve some of the suffering that many people in that community get. Uh, and uh, for a long time, I had pushed myself, I, I, I had told myself that it's no time yet. An organization such as that needs to be big, needs to have the right foundation but i i told myself that i wasn't ready for it until uh until i had a loss i lost uh, my cousin uh in uh, in guinea when she was giving birth uh she had some a history of eclampsia 
and uh, because of the lack bad healthcare system in Guinea, it wasn't. I mean, the the doctor realized. I mean, the it was the intern because the doctors weren't available. The intern took charge, and decided that the baby needed to to come out, even though she was preterm seven 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 months, which is fine. But completely forgot that the mother had to be monitored. She somebody had to be by her and make sure that her blood pressure. Uh, because of the eclampsia don't don't just blow up through the roof so after a series of mistakes uh, we, we lost her and uh, that 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 really told me that the idea of uh, waiting until you are ready in this world is foolish right it's always good uh, it, it's always better to take your best shot and fail than to never take your shot because you want to be ready to to start that's a core move so i decided uh that i needed to start unity hills i mean at the, at the time i didn't know it was going to be unity hills but i knew that i wanted to build an organization and do work that will make sure the death of that cousin doesn't go in vain right and uh, after series of work and pondering, I decided to create Unity Hills, uh, which is a non-profit organization now with the mission of uh, improving healthcare systems in the most underserved communities around the world through raising awareness, through building facilities, healthcare facilities, and uh, providing resources. So right now we've been working in Guinea for the past year, but the goal is to expand. And I'm looking for people. I mean, we are still expanding. Uh, the organization is very young. And I'm hoping that uh, we'll find people along the way with that desire to, to reduce human suffering and come together to really build that organization that will make a lasting impact uh, for the rest, way beyond after our life. After our life. So... Yeah, Unity Hills is still undergoing. We we just shot our first documentary in Guinea uh, this past summer, so that's exciting. And in the mix of all of that, I had to keep following my dream of medical school. And to get into medical school, you had to apply. Oh Lord, it was crazy, man. App applying for medical school was one of the hardest things that I ever had, had to do because. As a project leader uh, for my company, I had to, I mean, they don't control how many hours you work. But if you don't want to suck at your job, you have to put in the time. So I went to work at 7. I got there by 7 a.m. and left 6 p.m. And uh, I had two hours before I went to work. I wrote some essays. After work, I went to the gym, came back and wrote some essays. Until 11 p.m., I went to bed. That was my schedule, man. It was crazy. I'd, and it, it was in right around the beginning of my time uh, there. Even though it was COVID, I had some friends uh, who wanted to meet and have some social get to know each other. I couldn't do that. I had to, I had to, I, I, I could not stay away from that dream, right? Many people used to say, tell me that uh, once you start getting uh, that money and getting paid, it's going to be very hard 
to 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 get out of that and and go to medical school yes they are right but at the end of the day that dream was always on my wall it always reminded me that i needed to attack it right and at the same time to be honest uh the idea of leaving my job and go to medical school was a crazy idea for my parents they were so against it they're like how the heck are you going to leave this high paying job and go back to medical school and i tell them it's my dream and they say fuck your dreams <laughs> uh but i mean i would not be here without my parents and the reason that i did not go straight to medical school is to do what i can to help out but at the end of the day you have to know that if you don't follow your dream and later you regret it not you and your parents that's going to regret it it's only you you're the only one who's going to be miserable so there's going to be a time you have to force that situation and say okay i need to go follow my dream no matter what and i do not blame them they wanted the best for me they did not they knew it was something tough and they didn't want to see me hurt but sometimes you have to get hurt to to be able to get over that mountain right they could not see the vision that i had and uh, so having to convince them about my dream that also put another another big job on me during that time and coronavirus was happening and uh, you had all these incidents of people uh my <laughs> black people uh with the with, uh, with the police all of that man was a big mental challenge uh for me but that's for another episode also uh it's, it wasn't easy it definitely wasn't easy but i had some support and uh, we were able to get through it i remember the first time the first acceptance letter that i got for medical school i couldn't believe it i was in the car i got the email it says congratulations my eyes told me i got into medical school my brain couldn't believe it i kept driving after 10 minutes i checked the email my eyes tell me i got into medical school my brain can believe it it's after one hour when i park i screamed in the car like <laughs> like i got to fucking medical school and it was one of the best feeling ever i was screaming in my car like a crazy person but it was a big thing it was a big thing and the biggest the biggest satisfaction was the fact that i did not feel like i needed to call anyone for them to be happy for me so i can be more happier i was satisfied in my happiness i was so satisfied in my happiness to be honest i wanted to have it for a moment i didn't want to tell anyone yet so i only can have that happiness it took me a day before i told someone else that that they, that i was into medical school i mean i know they wanted for me but i wanted to make sure that i wanted for myself right and not just because someone uh want to know so that was definitely good uh and after that more acceptances 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 Uh, it was overwhelming then he was choosing but 
thankfully everything is done and i feel like i am at home and i chose uh, the best medical school for me in the mix of all of this i forgot to tell you that i had met the other the better half my better half yes the one who i married to now she's my wife now i met her in college uh when i was a sophomore she became a freshman uh that's when we met and we were friends we came from the same country and uh, our family knew each other so i mean i felt like it was only right for us to to help each other out and make sure that we're taking it but we were completely friends friends and uh, we were able to we, we got so close when i had some issues like when i tore my acl playing soccer or something she was there to help me out and i uh, feel like i was also there to help her out when she had some uh, some issues uh we were able to we, actually she was uh, one of the leaders uh, who helped me uh, build women's relief initiative so we were able to build that together so we shared the same passions but for some reason she, knowing that how amazing she was and figuring out how delicate that trying to seek a relationship with her could be i was scary I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to I didn't want to take that action and something happen and we don't have that relationship anymore, that friendship anymore. Cuz we're great friends. Also our family knew each other. I didn't want to bring that trouble if something happened. If we know that I mean I didn't know if she liked me and I I I didn't want to also I wanted to make sure that uh uh <laughs> I I didn't want to bring I, I felt like that could blow up if it go wrong. So all of that motivated me to not try uh but when I started working when I graduated and left I started uh, I pondered a bit more figuring out how I, how much I miss her and uh, told myself that something like uh finding your better half or there are some things in life that you cannot plan and <laughs> that's just how I must say it some things you plan you change you planify you execute some things you don't plan when when the opportunity comes across you you take it and you run with it no matter how already you are this is what i was telling you about not being ready you cannot be ready all the time just make sure you are prepared there's a big difference prepare yourself and attack and everything going to work out so i would I knew that I would want her to be part of my life thinking about all the characteristics that I desire in my partner she had all of them and uh I told myself if I don't this if I don't take this shot I will regret it and I don't want to be someone who regret anything in this life I want to take all my shots so I took the shot and she said yes January 2021 started dating decided that he wasn't going to be anything fast yes we were friends for 4 years but we started dating and long story short uh we got engaged in September 2021 and uh we just got married 
So I'm so glad, so glad that I have someone that I know who has my back, who have the same vision that I have, who is always willing and have the strength to be beside me to attack this world and help me share that same ultimate uh that ultimate goal that i have and uh, we will work together to help me go through the mountains and forest and hells to accomplish that big dream and with that i want to stop here and uh, thank you so much for for tuning in i hope you got to know me who i am my true self and from here on it's gonna be a lot of learning <laughs> from here on it's gonna be some amazing guests and we can move on the introductions is over and i hope that i can remain uh, not just as an uh, inspirator or a motivation a, a motivator to you but also i could potentially be a friend someone who will always listen to you and someone who that you can always count on to help you brainstorm and get you to that right journey. Keep shining. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way, share it with a friend, family, or loved ones.